there are moments in life, aren't there? There are lots of different moments. There are key moments as well as ordinary ones. There are wonderful moments as well as mundane ones. There are terrible moments. In the constant stream of life and regular routine sit these moments that can shape us and change us and amaze us. I was tempted, for those who are old enough to remember it, to start by singing that, uh, that great Magic Moments chocolate song with the guy with the bad Christmas jumper on TV. Does anyone remember that one? Uh, I was assured I should never sing in public, so I'm not going to do that. But there are magic moments too. And if we don't pay attention to them, uh, then we actually we lose so much, don't we? We need to spot, spot the moments. I can't tell you what I was doing on the 22nd of March, 1999. But I can tell you what I was doing on the 22nd of March, 1997. If I couldn't, my wife might be rightly annoyed. I was getting married. <laughs> Plenty of ordinary Saturdays in my life, but that one was a key moment, a moment of decision uh, and importance with ha- lifelong uh, echoes. I can't tell you what I was doing on the 12th of September, 2001. But I have very vivid and awful memories of the 11th of September, 2001. We watched three planes crash into buildings on live TV and two towers tumbled. And I walked out of the house as a new parent with an eight-month-old child thinking, what have I done? What world is this I brought my child into? It's a moment of deep reflection and somberness. There is in the steady stream of life and laundry and Tuesday mornings, moments. Enjoyable, terrible, life-changing We might fail to spot them sometimes because they pass us by. We're too busy getting the ordinary things done to spot the moment. December the 25th is, after all, just a day in the calendar, isn't it? This year it's a Monday. Next year will be a different day of the week. But Christmas, Christmas is a moment. It might be a brief moment compared to the shopping and the planning and organising that's led up to that day. It might be an intense moment as we coordinate events and family and relationships. Hopefully, it will be a good moment for all of us. In our readings from Luke Gospel, he, he marks the, the first Christmas, the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, as a moment for the whole world. That's quite a claim, isn't it? Let's look what the Bible says about the first Christmas and why that moment, that one moment, echoes 20 centuries later, even to the village of Oxshott. I've got uh, seven seven very brief points tonight, all about moments that we can share together. Firstly, this uh, this Christmas is a moment of history. We spotted that in the reading. The Gospel writer Luke is at pains to identify the time it happened, the exact time. He refers to two different rulers, when they're in power, and which registration event it was. He wants us to be certain uh, of exactly when it happened. A decree went out from the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. He locates it. If we had really good uh, archaeology, we could have an exact date for this. Luke locates the arrival uh, of God as a human being in history. He's not in the business of fairy tales. He relates real events that are important. So we come to our Christmas moment as a sort of a fuzzy moment We're going to find Luke disagreeing with us. Christmas is a moment of history. And Christmas is a very real moment. Did you notice in the first seven verses of that reading in Luke, there's no mention of God? 
It's events, it's people. Luke explains there are two ordinary people who are trying to live life that caught up in national and political and economic events. Way above their pay grade. But like us, with an autumn budget or or ULES requirements. Uh, Our lives, uh, we we go with the times we're caught up in, don't we? Luke doesn't paint Grecian uh, heroes. Uh, Here is real life people affected by the events of their day. It's a very real moment for us. And yet, he says... Christmas is a moment planned by God. It was no accident of mere human events. We had that reading of Isaiah chapter 9, that the plans God had to bring about light and peace and joy through a descendant of David were going to be from Galilee. But the prophet Micah in chapter 5 says the future king of David will be from Bethlehem, two different places. So Luke records for us, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, Isaiah's city there, to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, Micah's prophecy, because he was descended from the house and family of David. Which, which city was it? Both. God's been planning. One of many examples of words in the Old Testament that come to reality, come together in the gospel accounts of Jesus' life. God predicted how he would do all this centuries before Uh, It happened through his prophets. Christmas is a moment planned by God. Christmas is a moment of intervention by God as well. Uh, Verse 9 of our reading said this, An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shot around them, and they were terrified. Angels come in. Not not cute angels you might have on your Christmas tree at home as little decorations. Uh, Not chubby babies in painting, but, but angels Heaven breaks through to our reality, uh, and we get this tiny bit of the reflected glory of God. Uh, And even one angel causes stunned amazement and overwhelming fear by the shepherds. It says they were terrified. The angel has to say to them, don't be afraid. has to reassure them it's okay somehow. God is intervening in human history. It, It should be a marker for us to suspend the ordinary, expect the extraordinary, a moment of big change. Christmas is a moment of intervention by God. And Christmas is a personal moment, by which I mean it's the person who intervenes. How does God intervene to help humanity? Actually, it's to rescue humanity. He, he brings not, not a self-help course for, for the next year, for 2024, not a diet or, or a change of job. He doesn't reform the education system or, or help moral fortitude. What was it Isaiah was looking forward to 800 years before? It was a child to be born. Someone who can actually take care of God's kingdom. That child had many titles, didn't he? Wonderful counsellor. That means helper or enabler. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. You can't roll those titles off without expecting great things. Without expecting God himself to be the one who can rule his kingdom. And get the one born into history. And eight centuries later, the angel's good news of great joy is, to you this day is born the city of David a saviour, who is the Messiah, the Christ, the chosen king, the Lord, he says. If you want to change humanity, you need God himself to enter history. God needs to become one of us to provide a rescue. Christmas is a moment when the person of God himself arrives. And sixthly, Christmas is a much-needed moment. 
The angel says, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. Luke carefully marks out the moment of Jesus' arrival as solving a deep need in humanity. He describes the saviour, someone to rescue. That's what people do, then. A saviour saves, a rescuer rescues us. Now, in a world of continuing problems of climate change, of war, of poverty, of violence, of selfishness, one in which generation after generation of, of human beings have failed to really stem the tide. Our technology has advanced, our hearts have not. What do we need rescuing from? I don't want your answer will be here tonight. You might even say rescuing from ourselves. But actually the book of Isaiah, if we were to read all of it, it's a big book, we won't do that tonight. But if we were to read all of it, it will become very clear. Here he speaks to God's people in times past saying that they were being unfaithful to him. They were ignoring him. Not just ignoring his rules, but ignoring him. Deciding how they wanted to worship him, if at all. The one who made them, who spoke to them, who cared for them. It was really personally offensive to God what they were doing. It was actually treason on the scale of the universe because it's against the creator of the universe. So God sent his prophet Isaiah to explain how, even though he would like them to be his people, what they had done was so terrible that they required judgment. If he didn't do that, he wouldn't be a just God. If he's not a just God, he's not a good God at all. Isaiah makes it clear we don't need rescuing from ourselves. We do need to change heart, but we need rescuing from God's judgment the consequence of our failure to worship him rightly. A just, a right, a fair, a true, a holy God who would treat us as we deserved. I was once chatting to somebody. I don't do many baptisms these days at uh, school, but I was chatting to a couple who wanted their child baptised. And um, I asked one of them, how would you describe your relationship with God? I don't know how you'd answer that question tonight. They said, "Um, God for me is a bit like a spare tyre. It's a real relief to know that's in the boot in case you get into trouble. Now, that's, of course, fine. If it is actually a tyre or concept, always great to have a plan B, have a backup. Absolutely. But, um, of course, to treat a real person like that would be terrible. It would be criminal. We'd cry out that that person be taken for justice. Well, to treat God like that is horrific. And a shameful thing to do. I came away from the conversation shaking my head. And then as I thought about it more and more, I thought, yeah, do you know what? I think I seek God more when I run out of solutions I have in myself. I wonder what God is up to when my life doesn't feel quite as good as I'd like it to feel. Do I often want the gift, but not always the giver? Am I really that different? And actually, I quite like the analogy. It would be the height of stupidity to keep God in the boot and then open up the boot and pray to him. And yet, it's a bit too close of an analogy for me to feel comfortable. How about you? Well, how should God treat people who treat him like this? That's why we need a saviour. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. This is the great news of the angels. It's a much-needed moment. We need a saviour who can take up our failures with all that they deserve from God and give us instead his rightness with God. A saviour who's born as a person, 
and lives a perfect life, righteous in every way, and who on the cross can swap the judgment we deserve for mercy from God, justice which is ours with forgiveness, death with life, and relationship with him. This is a much-needed moment. And lastly, Christmas is a moment of joy, deep joy. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Here's something that will bring joy, not not a a moment of happiness that passes, but a deep (coughs) joy for all people everywhere. God's not just sending a saviour, he's willing to send a saviour for people who don't even really want him that much as he is. He wants to be happy without him. God sends a saviour. That God sends a saviour. What a joy that we couldn't be too much for him. And that fact, that good news, that joy uh, fractures the sky and heaven uh, explodes. The myriad angels that appear to praise God in song for what he's done. It's so cosmically amazing. They, they come and sing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. That news causes joy that cannot be contained and must be shouted from the rooftops. If Christmas is a moment that can be ruined by a burnt turkey or a delayed Amazon delivery or an abrasive relative, then it is not this Christmas that the angels talk about, is it? They talk about good news. The truth of Christmas will cause us deep joy, a joyful moment indeed. Many years ago, my parents worked from a deep sleep at 4 a.m. on Christmas morning to the sound of a burglary downstairs in the house. I'm not sure what my dad was going to do, but he, in his pyjamas, walked out on the landing and looked down the stairwell, uh, only to find it was my five-year-old sister and three-year-old me. (laughs) Now I'm putting responsibility on my sister there. uh, Climbing back up the stairs with armfuls of presents, having unwrapped everything under the tree. (laughs) Found those things we liked the look of, however delicate they were, and brought them upstairs with us. We were quite happy. They, of course, were gutted that they'd missed the moment. The moment. The moment of joy in our faces. The moment they spent weeks looking forward to, to sharing with us. And we had missed the point of all this. We'd seen the bright wrappings, and we'd looked at the gifts, but we ignored the giver and the moment. So let's not miss the moment this year. It's all go. We're all busy, and if you, maybe you're here on Christmas Eve, it's because all of that is, is sorted, it's prepped, and you're ready to stop and just have a think before it all kicks off again tomorrow. What is this Christmas moment all about? So perhaps we need to reread Luke's Gospel and take this expression, a moment for ourselves, to make sure we don't miss all that God has planned at Christmas.